Nice job if you're a little baby. That sucks. Come on, put it together. Get in there. Let's go. A little bit of effort, please. Any just a little power, please? Come on. Seriously, is that all you're going to bring to the table? If that's it, we just need you to go ahead and quit. Come on. Come on. If you want some, get some. Last one. That's it. Today, we're talking about the power of positivity and how not to teach your students like that right there. Check it out. Five easy ways that you can incorporate positivity into your classroom or your business today on Sidekick Success, episode number 30. Episode 30, guys. Today we're going to be talking about something that I've actually been accused of being overly which is crazy because if you've ever known me for a long time, you wouldn't think so, but the power of positivity. And uh, this, is, this is actually an interesting topic because in my opinion, there, there are two ways that you can push this. It's the power of being positive in your own business and being that business owner or that leader, that boss that is getting people motivated to do the, the work or uh, also as a, as a teacher to be able to motivate the students specifically or training your, your staff to be that positive person. And it's, a, it's definitely a culture that needs to be developed. I would agree. I think, honestly, it's something that I've always struggled with. I would say I naturally would be a pessimist. Mm -hmm. My mm -hmm. philosophy in life is prepare, prepare for the worst and hope for, for the, the best. best, which I guess that could be seen as being pessimist, but I don't. I just, it's, it's called prepare. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I think both of us, our backgrounds, uh, like our Taekwondo upbringing, I think is probably pretty similar. Yours may have been slightly worse than mine, but uh, my coaches were, were definitely more on that uh, authoritative side, I think, when we were growing oh. up. And I know when I first started teaching, you and I had a lot of conversations about the not necessarily negativity, I guess, but being... What do you say? Condescending? Yeah, I guess just the tone, the overtone that you would use that makes it seem negative and the environment seem negative. And it's then something that I have to consciously battle in order to be able to say something more positive or to be able to spin things in a positive direction and to not always just be like, no, you're doing it wrong. Right. I think that's just the old school approach in martial arts where, I, I don't know, I think, so... Being the son of a first-generation master from Korea, uh, I understand the, the uh, I don't know, the negative way of doing things. And I guess it really comes down to how you're perceiving it, like how are you taking that? Are you taking it as negative or are you just taking it as he's being hard on me? Mm -hmm. But I think where, and we've talked about this before, but where it went wrong is then his students or those first-generation Korean uh, masters, their students become instructors and they try to mimic their style mm -hmm. and it just doesn't come hey, out right. What you doing? Right. And I'm like, right. <laughs> it's like, wait, hold on. When did you, when did you develop a Korean accent? And it only turns on when you when teach, which, it, which I, I'm, a, I'm such a believer in filming yourself teach because it's going to give you just a whole nother perspective. Yeah. And it's like. <laughs> Like, why are you talking like that? I don't, yeah. That's pretty funny. You know, I, I, there, we, I mentioned culturally, I think this is something that is a conversation that I've had actually even just this morning is talking about 
how do you teach others to teach? And I think the old logic was you grab a, a black belt of any level basically, or even a student and you say, teach this person how to do a roundhouse kick. Yep. But there were no processes in place. There were no thoughts on how you do it. So you could only go by your memory and what you've seen. So depending on your personality and the way that you were shown, you usually just mimic what you've been taught, right? So I think that's probably one of the most challenging things for a lot of school owners because what happens? A lot of school owners get their you know, second, third degrees, have the opportunity to be that mid-20s, 30, decide to open up their own school, and they've never actually been taught how to teach. Positivity has never been a topic. They were all usually pretty good athletes or pretty good students, yep. and so then they just start doing the exact same thing that you were ever right. done. So it takes a lot of actual work and and defined preparation to be able to get people to be thinking about teaching martial arts not just repeating what we've always done yep and one of the things that i talk about in our uh, instructor courses is the importance of never dipping below that what i call the neutral line mm -hmm. so whenever you're teaching your students uh, first of all it's very important that you are showing them that you are in 100% control of things and you basically got it and I, I think w we go wrong when we start showing our emotions especially in a negative way because you're basically telling your subordinates that I don't know what I'm doing yep like when you when you're frustrated when you're teaching you're basically telling your your students I'm losing control of this class mm -hmm. and no follower of a leader wants to, wants to hear that or wants to see it so I think it's so important that when we're teaching, we always stay above that neutral line. Even if you have a student who's just being horribly Obstant. unruly, mm -hmm. you just have to keep control of those emotions and stay positive or at least fake it. So then uh, your students aren't going to or lose that respect for you. I guess depending on the, the style of martial art that you teach too, or the, the way that you're trying to position your particular martial art for me for example uh sparring versus more of a traditional martial arts approach to it there has to be a certain level of intensity and i think it gets kind of difficult as a coach because i mean you just go out there once in a while and take a look at steve kerr on the sidelines throwing a clipboard around or screaming across the court at somebody there's that level of intensity as a coach that is um there for some aspects of it but not there for others so like coaching versus teaching Teaching, guiding, sharing, uh, those are kind things. Right. Coaching should also be, but there also has to have that certain kind of a edge element. But you've got to be careful not to dip over that line from being a positive coach that's motivational to a person who's berating right. and challenging. So that's a, it's a tough battle for people to sure. face. I would think that right now, or at least for people who are in the Midwest – or have the same school schedule that you might start feeling down because mm. everybody's going on vacation. I personally struggled with this for a long time. So in the martial arts industry, when your students all start going on, you know, going to vacations, going to India for a month <laughs> or two months or three months, then you'll see a dip in your attendance. Um, and I don't think any, I think most martial arts school owners don't like summers. Yeah, I don't. Uh, but it really is irrelevant what you like or not. You just have to adapt and stay positive and figure out like, what can I be doing now that, 
that's going to help with this situation of students not being in class as much as they would be during school? Mm-hmm. Well, I think let's think about that. Teachers don't like back to school time, I'm sure. And farmers, uh, after the harvest is over, they're pretty excited. But I'm assuming that there's some big chunks of the winter that they're not excited right. about. Harley Davidson is not excited about building a bunch of motorcycles in January. Um, I think right. every industry that you would every, be yeah. in you're has right. the same sort of up and down. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. As we transition and talking a little bit about as the business owner, seasonal depression almost, right? There, yeah. there are these little nuances that come back into play. It's hard to stay positive and right. stay neutral the whole time. Yeah. Uh, I think it all comes down to action. Yep. And all comes down to not just sitting around and thinking about it, which again, I, if I allowed myself, I would do it, but you just have to get up and do something about it. Mm-hmm. Get, get up and move. We've talked a lot about schedule, uh, Google calendars, reminders, watch reminders, these kinds of things. I think there are certain things, and, and this isn't necessarily talking about being positive, but making sure that you're constantly working out is, is a way yeah, that, you know, right. helps people stay positive about themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, avoiding negativity and just your day to day life, trying to make sure that you're keeping yourself even those kinds of things are ways for business owners to stay neutral throughout that period of time. Uh, don't let your, don't let your surroundings dictate how you feel. Yep. Try to make sure that you're in, in posing your will on what you are. And so, uh, I'll give a personal example. When I was, uh, doing rehab a few years ago for my knee, like there are a lot of people that were commenting, you know, why are you positive about this experience? And I, I took it almost like it was a, an interesting challenge. Like, Oh, this is sweet. I get to go to PT every day and I get to work out and I get to do all of these things. And I learned so much more about myself by keeping that glass half full type of an approach where I could keep driving towards something. And I didn't really want to let that get me down, but you could take the opposite approach and be like, Oh, woe is me. I can't believe this happened. I'm just going to lay in bed. I can't do anything. I'm on crutches. I'm miserable. I'm going to eat a bunch of food and get, you know, obese. And then now my legs are weak and nothing, but no, I just like the complete opposite. So let's talk a little bit. I, I've got uh, a couple of key things here that I, I wrote up as an opportunity for us to kind of talk through, which is five ways that we can unlock the power of positivity in our classroom. And we kind of are touching on one of these right now, which is to be an example of what you would like others to be. So if we're modeling as the leader of the business or as the instructor, modeling a positive and encouraging attitude, and that's in everything that you do. So you said, be neutral, make sure that you're not dipping below that neutral line. Um, I think that's, that's huge. How do you make sure that your staff is obviously videotaping and watching and reviewing, but when they walk in the door, one of the most powerful things that I think I remember hearing from someone was coach Tim Thackeray from the juice compound did a kind of a, an athlete development camp for us at next level a few years ago. And they were talking about, they got everybody out of the gym, out into the hallway And they gave him a speech about before you walk into the gym, let's talk about I'm here for, I'm going to do my best. Today's the day. And and you set yourself up for success by getting it in your mind of what you're walking into. A lot of people walk into the space that they are and then let what happens in the space dictate how their day is going to go. But if you've done all of that prep work prior to, so when your staff walks in the door, they've already got a positive mentality. And then if everybody did that, then what happens? You walk in the door to positivity. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I th- I'm, I'm 
right there with you. And that's something I just talked to my staff about maybe a week or two ago with, with the importance of changing your mindset. And actually, it's probably my students. But when you walk through the door, it's your mind should shift and it should change to whatever it was before out in the other world. Uh, when, and especially when you put on your uniform, I think that's uh, a really important trigger. Exactly. So The Power of Habit, mm-hmm. outstanding book. I've read it twice. I need to do it again. But basically, it talks about you have different triggers that trigger different habits and the processes that are co- correlated or connected to those habits. And for me, it's whenever I put on the uniform, it's like I transform into somebody else. Mm-hmm. And Starbucks actually trains all their there are staff with this where like you can imagine how many different people come in and complain and you know try to or have different situations where you'd get like get to get mad about it like oh i only wanted this much of cream and you gave me that much mm-hmm. it's like really is that big a deal but whenever they put on their apron it's like it's a shield right it's mm-hmm. like a shield from all of the other external things that could be changing their mood. So that's a, just a trigger or a, just another way of looking at how can I change my mindset when I'm on the clock. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so interesting. And again, it kind of goes back to our previous conversation about training and, and how you teach an instructor to be able to deflect some of the negativity or to, to get around that student that's causing the challenges or whatever yep. for you and be able to build yourself. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's, you have to use logic. And I think this is where people will get into a rut or get into a deep hole of depression is when we just constantly are thinking with our emotions, Mm -hmm. thinking about, first of all, they think inwards, including myself, you think, oh, um, I'm not getting this, I'm not getting that, Uh, you know, all these little things that are happening in my life. It's how it's how is it affecting me? But then when you look externally and you start comparing to other people who uh, maybe they, they don't have a leg or <laughs> they uh, have other things going on, like cancer, like, right. do you have, are you going to die tomorrow? This is, yeah. Are you going to die tomorrow? No, then you're good. Right. Like, what, like, if you think about things like that, I really like firmly believe that your mindset just completely shifts mm-hmm. because all the, everything else, whether it be money, whether it be, you know, a broken you know, I keep going back to leg, broken, broken arm. <laughs> I tore my ACL. I rolled my ankle. Yeah. You'll be fine. Like, did it rip off? Okay. Yeah. It did. You stitch it up and you're going to have crutches. <laughs> now you move now, forward. Now they have prosthetics. It's, it's like, there's always a next step mm-hmm. where you're going to be fine. Empathy is the kind of the approach that you think of is being able to relate to others in the situations that they're in and meeting them in the place where they are and this, you know, and it's kind of funny that you say that. Um, I have a, an older student that was in class today and we're just general conversation before he, he was taking a lesson this morning and he goes, yeah, I'm going to miss the next couple of days. I was like, Oh, you know, you're going someplace fun. He said, well, uh, a classmate of mine from high school died. And I'm like, for like, how do, how do you feel about this? You know, like, I mean, what are, where, where are we going now? Right. But the second thought that I have is he's an older gentleman. Mm -hmm. So in his mind, I wonder how much does that relay back to how he feels about himself? You know, like, Oh man. So my, my friends are, you know, so having that ability to think about others is, is interesting. Like where are they in the process? You, you mentioned, uh, losing a leg. And so I grew up, obviously, and my dad well, your father doesn't, doesn't have, a, have leg. a leg. I guess I don't know if that's why you're bringing it no, up. No, I or didn't. Not, 
the uh, the idea behind but you that, can connect. Yeah, I'm, I'm connecting right <laughs> you there. You lived with like that right here. Yeah, my uh, you can't like like think about when you were growing up. You're like, oh, I don't want to take the trash out. Do you have both legs? <laughs> yeah, you do. I yeah, shut your mouth get, and do it. Go get the trash out. <laughs> you know, to see my dad hopping down the hallway on one leg to go to the bathroom right. or to like any of these kinds of things, Ugh. and like I I twist an ankle. I, I don't recall a single time in my life where I've twisted an ankle and felt like I was dying because of it. Right. I, and you've seen me. I've had the weakest ankles of all time for yeah, all history. Do. But I uh, probably you because Chris, of my dad. No, I'm kidding. Same birthday. The, uh, but I, I, can't, I can't look at anybody that has some of that kind of stuff and think like, you can't do this. Sure. I grew up with a guy who's like, not only can you do that, you will do that. Now get up and go. Right. Just like you said. And so that's, I, mean, I don't know. That's the borderline of positivity versus being dic- dictor- dictator-ish. But right, you know there. All right. So the next one, moving on from modeling the behavior, trying to keep yourself positive, but to create a positive environment for the people around you. Specifically, in this case, your employees and your students. So we've already kind of touched on being a a good leader in the aspect of mm-hmm. making sure that you're modeling the behavior, yep. but. What kinds of things do you do to make sure that the environment is positive for the kids? For the students? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a good, great, great question because this is something we talk about also in the instructor courses is first, uh, your, your body language is very important. Yeah, I never do that. Do another one. Never do that. Uh, you always want to just be relaxed. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> be relaxed. Your face should be either smiling or it should be neutral. Uh, never do that <laughs> ever. Not even with me. Uh, but those little, little physical things is so important because we sometimes don't realize this. The students are always watching us. And as soon as we step on the floor, they're always watching us and kind of evaluating like, who is this? And is this the alpha or not? And I always correlate them like kids back to dogs, even though it could sound bad, but it is what it is. They are. And they can sense who's the alpha in the room. So if you're coming in and you're, you know, you have anxiety and your shoulders are up and you're crossed, like crossing your arms and you're caved over, then yeah, you don't look like the leader. And obviously you're not, you don't look positive either because you look like you're about to go and take a nap. So it's very important that you physically are playing that. Sometimes I'll do this. My staff doesn't know this, but uh, there's days where I'm grumpy. What? Yeah. Can you believe that? I, no, I've never seen this. Before I walk out, I literally like go like this. Watch. Like I will force my face to smile. I actually think that I've seen you do this. Well, I do. Well, <laughs> I do. But it helps. Like every time I walk in. But there's many studies that show that it helps. <laughs> sure. Right? That if you feel like you're in a slump, mm-hmm. force yourself to smile. Well, isn't the same thing as the self-talk, positive self-talk, look in yeah. the mirror, say you're good enough, you're smart enough. Yeah, I don't enough. care. I, I, I don't agree with that, by the way. You I know? think that's a crock. I yeah, don't do I think it. that's the biggest crock of crap I've ever heard in my life. I always because the old SNL videos yeah. that were out and there. And going back to, you know, when people say you can do whatever you want, no, you can't. Like, I would love to be able to go and be LeBron. Never will that ever happen. I will never no be LeBron James. No, it's I, just I logic. Believe, yeah. Like use logic here. And I think this is where people go wrong is when people have expectations that will never be met. Mm-hmm. Oh, so when you set one. these expectations, I want to be LeBron James. You will always be 
uh, depressed about this because you're never going to get close. Which is awesome because the, the third point that we have here is helping other people visualize what success will look like before they start. Right. Realistic expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's important that I think it's important that we dream big mm -hmm. and have our lifetime goals. Right. Uh, <clears throat> so, all right, let's talk about LeBron James. I want to be LeBron James. Okay. I'll be LeBron James in 50 years. Okay. So what should I do? What should I be doing 10 years from now? Like, right. where should I be? Where should I be five years from now? Where should I be a year from now? I right. Russia. Cause they, they have right. Exactly. <laughs> medical, Korea, medical Maybe Korea. assistance where they could help you with it. But, uh, but then you keep going back and then, the expectations will shrink as you, as a time shrinks. Sure. So then you're actually meeting those expectations. So, you know, shoot, you know, a, a hundred free throws, which they could have done last night from, if you watch the game, it's like 50% free throws. But like, if you did that today, boom, like you hit your expectation and you should be happy about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny that you, you say it like that because I think that as a matter of positive thinking and positive environments, when you are teaching martial arts, it's pretty easy, I think, for us to try to set higher than necessary expectations on our students because we think in terms of their finite lifespans and like we want to create this great product uh, and we're trying to get them to be this great black belt in these three years, but you realize that the ability for somebody to become truly great takes so much longer than this amount of yeah. time that we're working in. Yeah. And so putting those realistic expectations back down the pipeline, sure. that, that requires you as a coach or you as an instructor to be able to say, you know what, this person shouldn't be there. The fact that you're doing what you're doing right now is awesome. Yep. And we're excited by this one. And I need to temper my expectations when a student sometimes doesn't yep. get where they need to be. Everything comes down to expectations. Oh, if, yeah. he, if you're not happy, that's because you are expecting more than what you have or you're expecting to be in a different place. Yep. And this is something, again, internally, I had to look inwards and tell myself, like, get over yourself, first of all. And second of all, because I get hard on myself because I'm, I feel like I'm not either doing enough or the second thing is if I feel like I'm not where I should be at my age. Mm -hmm. But then I... And then here, here's what I think is important is, is you ask yourself, could you have done more? And if you could have without sacrificing your priorities, like for me, my family, uh, you know, not cutting corners, if you could have done more, then it's time to step it up and do more. Right. But if you, if you couldn't have, that's then be, a, be content, like then move on and keep working hard. That's a, such a tough, tough conversation, even in the coaching world, because I, I tend to do that a lot with athletes. You know, it says you need to do everything that you could have done along the way in order to step into the ring with the most confidence that you could have in order to be able to get everything out of the match that you could have gotten, yep. but you can still come up short. Yep. And so then when you come up short, you go back to the drawing board and you rebuild and you retool sure. and you get better and you do it all over again. And that's the exact same thing for us where the, the real struggle I think is, and this is where repetition and why martial arts can be so great for kids is the idea of creating that loop of constantly evaluating yeah. whether you did enough. Yep. And you talk about habits and that loop is the habit where you right. come back to it and you ask yourself, Oh, I need to do more. I need to do more. And the capacity that we have as people to do such great things is pretty amazing, honestly, but we end up with a lot of people who just won't challenge themselves. And that's probably what we could do from, from a club owner standpoint is recognize that you can push yourself farther than you are. And we can definitely help with that, you know, as far as yeah. making sure you're thinking it. I think it's important that 
if you look back and you say, well, I fail. Like, like for example, uh, let's say you're trying to make a habit of cutting your calories and you want to stay under a certain amount. And then you come to the Memorial Day weekend and then you just go bonkers and then go 5,000 calories a day. Okay. And then Tuesday comes around and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm such a fatty. Like now I'm like, I, I failed. So what do you think most people do? They stop it and they're like, oh, I already failed, so I'm not going to keep doing yep. it. That's, that's the stupidest thing to do because then you're literally going backwards and the best thing to do is just say, you know what? Yes, I failed, but it's, it's not a game of, it's just like looking at the stock market. If you look at it from a macro view, right? right. It looks like this. It goes like this. But if you look in the micro view on a day-to-day basis like today, mm-hmm. My my friend just texted me. He's like the, the market got smoked. And he always he always tells me whenever it's bad and not good. Oh, that's good. But but you look at it, it's like a dip. There's a little dip, right? But then you look backwards, it's it's still going on upward Trending. trend, right? Absolutely. So you can't just just quit and say, oh, I failed. Or I don't know if you've seen this too. It's like students stop coming to class, right? And they're like, well, we've we're so behind, so we're just going to quit. Yeah, that's for, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, get back in, you'll be fine. Right. Three years from now, we'll be tying your black belt, and you're going to be good. These are these things that we discuss right here are tied into those emotional trends that people go through. It's right. the same kind of a concept, and I mean, this is completely on a, a little bit of a tangent, but it's just kind of discussing the emotion side of these things. Why people like swiping a credit card versus paying with cash. Paying with cash is like giving away something. Like, yeah. I want that. Like, right. And now I'm using it. Yep. But swiping a card is so rewarding yep. mentally that it feels like I didn't give away anything. Right. I mean, this plastic was nothing and I yep. got all of this stuff yep. for nothing. And it's, it's there. So the same kind of a thing with the parents, there's going to be a pain associated with battling the student that yeah. doesn't want to go back to class. So it's yep. easier sometimes. That's a whole, to do yeah. That. And I, that's, that is such an, a very, very important thing that we have to realize as human beings is that we naturally will always be doing things to avoid pain. Right. Everything that we do or don't do is to avoid pain right. unless we rewire the way we think. And for me now, I, I hate working out. But now I'm 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 getting addicted Junkie. to that. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting addicted to that pain, especially like being sore for yeah. like three days after. Oh yeah, I want that. Like yeah. now I'm now I want that. That's the the same thing that runners high and all that. So yeah. anyway, getting back on track here. Uh, the next topic that we have is to help eliminate negative thinking in the uh, environment that you're in. Yep. And so what steps do you go through? You say you watch the instructors and you help guide those yep. guys, but let's think about <clears throat> working with partners. And a little boy says, your kicks aren't very good. Yep. So how do you think about correcting that person to say, do you immediately stop and be like, well, why don't we find a way to compliment what they did? So what did they do well? You know, what, what steps do you take to make that comment that they made that was maybe kind of truthful? With a student? Sure. Like between two students? Or, or even a, an instructor and a student or any, any conversation. I see. Uh, I would just, again, go back to a lot the logical part of it and say well how would it make you feel if you know they said that to you Mm -hmm. and again that goes back to the empathy and the missing i think that's missing from our society nowadays is the empathy uh but just just saying hey how would like what if i said that to you how is that going to feel for you Mm -hmm. right which i this is very simple answer but 
Uh, I don't know if there's another way to approach it. Yeah, I think that for me, I'm, I'm kind of thinking in my mind, this is definitely not something that's, you know, right off the off the top of the head for me in, in my classroom. But I almost think that there are ways that you should be in creating that environment from the day they walk in, finding positive ways for yep. them to be communicating right from the get-go. Yep. And I know we always do um, like peer review. So you watch me do my form, give me some things that I can work on right. or whatever. And so then what do we do? We teach them like the PCP model, yep. like praise, criticize, praise. Right. And if, if we go through that process, it says, find something good, remind, find something good that they did, find something good that they did, find yep. something yep. good. And then we can challenge them and then find something good. So you're kind of creating that loop again of, yep. of being positive and it helps to eliminate the negative thinking and the commentary that can come in because the first thing we want to do is find the positive and what they've done. Which is definitely a hard habit to create and it's possible. And the reason why you want to start with the positive, because then they're going to be more open to the criticism. Absolutely. When you start with the criticism, then they put their guard up mm -hmm. and then you try now to you say something nowhere. good. They're like, I don't care anymore. Cause you just offended me. All right. So number five today in the five steps for us to unlock the power of positivity is to reward positivity. And I think that that's, uh, with a big high five, a big smile, a yep. great job, Johnny. But there are other people out there that reward positivity. I was recently doing some research on a company um, that they give out ribbons at the end of their classes um, mm -hmm. for people that were, you know, top students or overcame a challenge in class or whatever. It's not a martial arts school, but they, um, that it was interesting because these little cheap ribbons, but yeah. the kids walk out of there feeling like a million bucks because they got this little thing, little yep. trinket. And uh, I think it's important that you keep that, like balance that out and yeah, not give everybody that. Mm. Uh, Maybe it depends on the activity that they're doing. Yeah. I, I think it, it, it has this place. I just, I think it's getting overdone. <laughs> we try to, <laughs> we always talk about, you know, people get trophy for everything, blah, 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 blah. But I think, it's, it's, it's a good balance. Like you have to have a good balance. You can't go back in the day where, you know, you tell them they suck, like you suck, which I'm not against that, but, but I'm all about what works and what gives results, especially with youth. Mm -hmm. Like you can't say that to them, but you can't just give everybody, uh, praises for, for things that they didn't earn. Right. I think you can f definitely find things that they did good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a little harder than, than others. Like, I'm, I'm so glad that you're looking me in the eyes. What that was you, the only thing he did. What you should never do, just like to follow up what you're saying there, I guess, what you should never do is reward somebody for something that they didn't actually yeah. do. Yeah, and it's really bad because you're lying to them. Right. You're literally a That's liar building when you do false that. confidence. Right. <clears throat> All right, so I had a couple of thoughts at the end of this, and, and we're starting to run out of time. But um, in the past, I've gone through, and I, I think I saw that Coach Arlene Lemus was was uh, watching us today. I don't know if she's still on or not, but the uh, PCA Positive Coaching Alliance through the AAU is actually a really phenomenal uh, resource for coaches yep. to be able to go through and kind of learn better ways to communicate with their athletes, um, finding ways to, to communicate with people. I'm sure if she She's still on there. She'll like hearing that. Um, and then also a couple of books that I've had in the in the past that I've read that I love because they've got a little couple snippets. Um, oh, you brought them. I brought them. Oh, brought, my gosh. I feel like reading Rainbow right now. <laughs> you are. So I'm Jordy LaForge or whatever. <laughs> but um, I actually, I really, really love uh, John Gordon yeah, as, yeah, he's as an awesome. author. And yep. so I've got this uh, Shark and the Goldfish, Positive Ways to Thrive During Waves of Change. 
And Ooh, that's uh, a good one for you. The positive dog, a story <laughs> about the power of positivity. And um, both, yeah, this, I should read this again. The, uh, the thing that I love actually is they're short stories, but they've got so much small stuff in here. It talks like these seem so simple. That's a perfect amount of reading for me. Just right there. Yeah. So a day of gratitude. You can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. Right. And we go back to thinking about being thankful for all of the things that we have yep. and, and what you were talking about earlier in this episode. Yep. And if we're stressed about those things and you said that you try to get the big smile on your face, yep. you're feeling stressed, immediately give thanks for stuff. Yep. Instead of dwelling in those moments, yeah. find ways to be thankful for where you are. And, and there's so much to that. I think it all depends on you individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people going back, so I'm going to kind of go back to what I said earlier of looking in the mirror and saying, you know, you're awesome and all that. I, I'm not against it. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. And it depends on what works for you. Right. So I'm more, again, about the logical the logical step-by-step process. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm not happy where my business is. Okay. Well, why are you not happy? Because it's not hitting these revenue points. Okay. What are you doing to improve it? Right. If you're not doing anything, then shut up and sit there and do something different. But positive, but (laughs) if you're going to, if you do something about it, right, then that's how you make change. And I think, again, going back to what you said, just sitting there and just thinking about, and again, I am so guilty about this. Dwell, dwell, Yeah, because my mind is always racing that uh, you just have to kind of figure it out logically and think about what are the next steps. Right. Just like when we did this whole podcast. A lot of anxiety. Yeah, because we're like, (laughs) like, think about it. We're like, what if people are going to look at us? Let's quickly talk about this process, right? So we were like, let's just do a podcast. And what do you say? About what? Like doing the podcast. Do the podcast. Yeah, when we were talking about starting this podcast uh-huh. from day one, well, one of the things maybe we were throwing out, like, I don't know if you said this, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. Nobody's going to watch it. Like, why would they want to watch this? Why would, why would they care about this? Why right. would they care about that? And what do I always say? Who cares? Right. Just do it anyway. Just do it anyways. Right. Because so, it always comes down to one question. You ready? Let me clarify. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I always ask, and I ask this to myself all the time and my staff, What's the worst that could happen? Right. Well, and that's, and that's kind of back to my point. What I go to is say, who's going to watch it is what's the audience for this? Right. What's the value of us yeah. doing this? And sort I'm just of giving thing? you crap, but no, it's, yeah, I actually did say that, but he'll yeah. twist my words every now and then. And that's what we end up with. <laughs> well, <laughs> well we do have it on video. video I so. am, uh, I'm feeling all warm and fuzzy now yeah. after talking about the power of positivity. And, uh, we look forward and your, to your caffeine that you bring every show. <laughs> I got uh, the Starbucks. We're going to answer questions as soon as you wrap this up. Uh, just wanted to give a shout out to best martial arts, our sponsor of the show, uh, the owner is James Kim. Make sure you bother him on Facebook. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Send him a shout out. But we'll us. have this show. The, the The schedule is every Tuesday at 1.30 Central. Central Time. Yep. So that is 2.30 Eastern Time and 11.30 a.m. Pacific. That was good math. You did and well. then also uh, Denver. Mountain Denver Mountain Time is going to be 12.30. Uh, 12.30. <laughs> yes. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you at 1.30 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday of next week. <laughs> see you guys.